Hello and welcome back to the Coffin Lounge podcast. I'm your host, Vampire Kitten. Today, my guest is Christo. Hi, Christo. Hey. Hey. Christo is currently at uh, a beach resort in Tulum. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, this is where the Wi-Fi is, baby. Right. And the waves (laughs) and the breeze. So I'm sorry about the background music. You probably get some of that. They just turned it on. But luckily, it's a little quiet right now. If they raise the volume, we'll, we'll go hide in the bathroom or something. That's, <laughs> that's fine. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're kind of in like a crazy location. Um, what? So I guess let's talk about how what you do and how we met and what uh, the whole situation there is. So what what is it that you do? Currently, I am doing the YouTube content creation type thing that all started in covid so we can get back to that story a little bit later but yeah i've worked content creators traveling the world full time and um right now we happen to be in mexico so and we happens to be my partner crystal and i together crystal and christo make crystal so we have a youtube channel called the crystal show i love it um yeah <laughs> you two are i crave your videos there is just some something about <laughs> The two of you being together just causes just the joy in your videos and the fun and it just feels like you guys are just exploring the world for the first time together and I love that. I love that. It's amazing. There's even places like this. Crystal's been to Tulum twice and although I've been to other places throughout Mexico, I've never been to Tulum or Cancun, any of this area. Right. And it's almost like she's seeing it for the first time because the way we travel together is so much different than the way we travel individually uh we've gone back i used to live in ibiza spain and traveling there with her for the first time uh last summer was like the first time i traveled to ibiza it's so nice because even if we've been to one of these places that we've independently traveled to it's like experiencing it through new eyes like children it's so much fun and um yeah we're like uh we have this third entity there's like these two individuals there's christo and Crystal, and then there's Crystal. it's like this it's like a, a child that we're raising we're like learning lessons together and growing this it's more than just a relationship it's like such a beautiful thing and we, we get experience the world like through new eyes constantly by being together yeah it's magic it's magic I, I sort of feel like that translates really well through your videos that's why i get so excited yeah it does it definitely does like the third yeah. the third entity you can tell like you are exploring together and that's really cool yeah it's so much fun Thanks for saying that. That that means a lot. Oh, absolutely. Um, I like I said, I crave your videos. They give me a, a just a, a sploosh of dopamine and serotonin whenever I see them. I'm just like, oh my gosh, these are perfect. This is what I needed today. <laughs> I I like that word sploosh. Sploosh. Yeah, from now on, I just wanna <laughs> welcome to the Crystal Show. We're here to give you a sploosh of serotonin. <laughs> I like that. Oh, perfect. New tagline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sploosh so, it, baby. We're here to sploosh it. So, what? Let's let's backtrack. Let's go back to the beginning. Where? where how do I don't even know how to get back to the beginning because there's so many beginnings. Um, there's so many beginnings. How about Burning Man? Let's talk when about Burning met. Man. Yeah, we met at Burning Man. That? I don't even we remember did. which bird it was. What burn was 20, it? 2016 or 17. 20, I think 2016 was my first. Was it Cargo Cult? No, we were the bump. Lip bomb. Lip bomb. Twenty sixteen. You're right. It was twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I don't yeah. even remember. That was Da Vinci. Da Vinci. I think I it think was you Da Vinci. Were an officer. I think you were an officer at the camp. It was my first year. I went with Bike, um, very very close friend of mine, noise suppressor, as uh, the DJ name, and right. he and I went. And it was like I had no, I had very little idea what Burning Man was. My dad actually for years leading up to that, would show me photos of this thing that happened called Burning Man. It was crazy art and these crazy dusty people. And so didn't know anything more than that. I know your dad. Did your dad bring you to Burn? No, the first year, Bike brought me okay. uh, to Burn. He's like, hey, I've been to this crazy thing last year. You you're have the to perfect go. person to go with. You, you're coming with me this year. So uh, we went in 2016 together and I loved it so much. And I'm like, my dad was so right about everything going on here. My dad has to come. So then the next year I drug my dad out to Burning Man to introduce him to the thing yeah. he introduced me to in a weird way. That. And 
yeah, it was it was an uh, interesting and special experience for sure. That's really cool. So, yeah. okay, we so we met at Burn. We spent mm -hmm. a couple of burns together, and then after that, we just started hanging out and talking and being friends and, and partying and doing all sorts of crazy like activities, like uh, house parties and the boneyard yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So it's just life has been wild um you are very into music right so how did i actually learned a lot from your dj um what do you call those it's like videos you did little, like little instructional videos that you sent me right yeah so yeah, I have a, a dj training course so i started learning my deck by watching a lot of your videos and hey. I've kind of experienced a lot now. Now I've learned a lot more and I'm like, oh, okay, these are really good. They're really basic and they introduce you to the basics. So how did you get started DJing? And what wow. okay. brought you to making, uh, I guess, tutorials? Of course. So when I was 14 years old, I that's when I like really fell in love with dance music to a point that I knew this is what I want to do with my life. I, I want to become a dance music producer and DJ. Um, my dad had always like been planting seeds. He's very eclectic. It can be anything from salsa to jazz to dance music to all sorts of genres. They got me interested in all these different things. But as a 14 year old, nobody else was into that. Everyone would make fun of it, calling it techno and just boots and fats music. And, and you know, <laughs> so I was kind of like in my own realm. I didn't have anyone to like right. click with. That was just me and my dad. Um, but when I was 14 years old, I was watching a video online of Tiesto, a trans artist well, was oh. at the time, artist called Tiesto. And Tiesto was playing to 20,000 people. He had broken some like world record and the, the, the emotion in people's faces as this one man was standing behind these turntables and they cut the shots of the, the crowd and, and seeing the emotion, the near tears, the love, the, the passion, the organic dancing that happened. And it was all coming from you know what this man was doing up on stage and i'm like i don't know what he's doing or how he's doing it i was feeling emotional connection sitting on the other side of a computer screen i'm like that's what i want to do i don't i don't know how to get there but that's what i want to do so i've been saving up a, a lot of money to go and eventually be able to buy a car when i turned 16 years old well i took that money that i'd been saving doing mowing lawns and working at a um a movie theater selling popcorn and I, I took all that money a little over a thousand dollars and I bought two turntables and a mixer and just a couple vinyl records because that's all I could afford at the time my parents were not happy about it they uh I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that like I want to try everything in this life before <laughs> before it's my time so like I'll go try something I'll get just good enough at it or I'll decide I don't like it and then I move on to the next thing I and they that. thought that's what DJing would be for me like DJ, you're going to spend this money that you need for a car or something that you we know you need, and you're going to spend it on something that might just be the flavor of the month, and then you're going to lose all this money on, on this gear. So I understood where they were coming from, but I'm so glad I did it and um, and went the other way. I had no idea what I was doing when I DJed. I sat in front of two vinyl records on a turntable. I had to learn from scratch. You know, I could find little articles online, but the internet was still, you know, relatively young. There's so nothing fresh. like YouTube. There's right. nothing like YouTube and all the tutorials out nowadays. So, um, and if, if there was any of those resources out there, I didn't know how to access it. So I would just poke around. I had the same few vinyl, like three or four vinyl records. And I would just spin for the first couple of weeks, those same records over and over different orders of, of tracks, play with the little tempo slider. I didn't, I knew it slowed down and sped up, but I didn't understand what DJing was. And then eventually I accidentally synced up or beat matched two tracks together and i'm like whoa whatever like, that I did was, it <laughs> that that's djing i don't know what i just did but i just did it and it got i that still like totally triggered i'm like okay it's game on like i'm gonna figure out as much as i can so uh, it led to me finding uh, a company called bugsy productions uh this is when i was living in seattle and uh found this company that does djing weddings and corporate events and not necessarily the forte that I wanted, but you know, you have to start somewhere and I just needed a mentor. And right. so I, I went on with Bugsy Productions. He taught me a lot of the skills that, uh, early skills that I needed, especially like being able to talk on a microphone, which led to eventually radio and things like that. And uh, you know, one thing after another, but before I was 18 years old, I was DJing in nightclubs. Like I'd have to get um, brought up to, you know, I'd have to get escorted 
over to the stage or whatever, make sure I wasn't drinking alcohol or anything like that. Cause they were, you know, 21 plus clubs most right. of the time. And, and, um, so I just felt so cool. Like I, I'm able to get into the clubs and stuff by, by being the performer, but, uh, I, I don't get, I can't get in there as someone to enjoy, you know, some of the artists that I like going through these clubs. So like, you know, sometimes I get booked before the acts that I wanted to go watch, but I couldn't buy a ticket to. So I playing before them gave me an opportunity to watch them. So that's cool. Yeah, that was kind of the, that was kind of the start. And then as, as time went on, eventually I went to music production school and got a degree, um, my bachelor's in music production. And um, I had more and more people ask, like, you have such a unique way of DJing. How do we, you know, can I pay you to do lessons? And a lot of my uniqueness, the way I DJ just comes from experimenting. Like if I get a knob, I'm not going to watch a tutorial on how to twist a knob or what a, a specific type of echo might do. I just play every combination I can possibly think with that one effect. And then I right. find new ways to use a knob or a new way to use a filter or a combination. And by doing that, uh, may, it meant that I had this unique way of playing and twisting knobs uh, a little bit differently than how a lot of other DJs use those knobs in the more traditional sense. And it made for kind of a unique DJing style. And um, so after being asked X amount of times from people like, hey, can you give me private lessons? I'm like, maybe I should streamline this and I should make a, a training series of videos. Uh, it's about like seven and a half hours long worth of videos how that I can put out on the web. How long ago did you make those? Because you look so different in those. I know. I think that was 2016 is when I filmed those. And okay. occasionally I, I film a new one and I'll release a new one on, on the YouTube channel. It's called Middle Eight DJ Training. Okay. Uh, middle Eight's like the unique phrase or the bridge in a song, the thing that, that makes a song more unique and, and gives you some like breath and change up from the rest of the song. So that's what I named the, the course Middle Eight DJ Training. It's a little different than the way a lot of other, uh, a lot of other teachers teach in the, in the realm of DJing. Well, I will say it has helped me a lot. It helped me f understand the basics because I took music. I took I was in percussion for about six years. So wow. I have some music background, but I didn't understand the deck. What you enabled me to do was understand what things did. So that was really cool. And now I'm like on my yeah. own kind of doing little bits here and there, like I'm experimenting and exploring. And it's yeah. a really basic deck, but I really, really am enjoying it, and I have a lot of mm -hmm. fun with it. So I appreciate that. Of course. <laughs> you know what? I, I think a misdemeanor is you have to have like the studio or the the club centric CDJ three thousands or something to be mm -hmm. able to do the most crazy stuff. My favorite deck in the whole world that's the most like complex as far as what I can create with it is the Denon Prime Four. It's like a single deck. It's only two thousand dollars. It's still expensive, but. For DJ decks, it's not very expensive. Like you can do a crazy amount on it, and even more than that, I have this. Uh, it's a Pioneer EDJ 400. It's everyone calls it basic. It's like the beginner deck. I have that. But deck, you can, I think, the DJ. you can custom map that deck, and so I have a custom map, so I can play four decks at a time. I have all these extra samplers. There's so many things that you can do beyond just the basics on that thing. So that's what I DJ on when I go and I do something. And it's little. Music it's, it's the light one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's light, That's super lightweight, and it gets powered from the iPad. So I've DJed mm -hmm. off of hot air balloons and then rally cars and all sorts of stuff from this little, little deck because it's it's portable, it's lightweight, and I can strap it to my chest and go up. That so, is little, yeah, I'm pretty powerful. sure that's the same deck that I have, and I would love to pick your brain sometime about how to yeah. mess with that a little bit more. So, no doubt. What, how did we get here? We went from DJing to doing all sorts of stuff back at home to now we're in Tulum. How, how did you yeah. decide you wanted to go from, <laughs> from an actual like housing situation to just being a, like a di basically a digital nomad is what we're calling it now. I think there's, it's so easy. We meet a lot of people on the road now that like just that they get inspired by a friend or watching a YouTube video and then they just give it all up and it's like a night and day, like a really quick transition. Mine was a little bit more of a gradual transition in the sense that back in 2015, I was working at Studio DMI, the same place I met my best friend, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, he's one of the co-owners of that business and that's in Las Vegas. And while I lived in Las Vegas, I had this big 3,000 square foot home and I had all the all the toys that you would want and multiple vehicles and this house. The bigger the house you have, the more stuff you fill in the house. Um, and then I, I was just feeling overwhelmed. I'm like, I have just too much stuff. I, I was feeling overwhelmed. Like, why do, 
I had a wife at the time and it's just like the two of us, why, why do two people need so much stuff? Right. And so just because I felt overwhelmed, I started looking into minimalism um, and heard, you know, it wasn't, I, I didn't even hear the term minimalism. It's just like simplifying your life. Minimalism that the term kind of caught on a little bit later, 2017, 18, I think is when that really caught on. But so I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to find ways to be able to minimize my life, simplify it. And so I got rid of like half of the stuff I owned. And then we moved into a smaller house. And then I, about a year later, I got rid of half of that stuff. And my life started getting more and more simple. Like there's so much clutter that comes in your brain by owning stuff. Right. Like, simply by having a big house and by having a nice lawn, you have to have a lawnmower. I use this analogy. Well, the lawnmower, you pull into the driveway and your brain is immediately filled with clutter. Just around, let's say the lawnmower, for instance, I see the lawnmower and I'm like, shoot, when was the last time I cut the grass? I need to cut the grass this weekend. I can't go out and play with my friends right away like I want to. Or um, maybe I haven't done an oil change on the lawnmower in a little bit. When was the last time I sharpened the blades on the lawnmower? Oh, I left a trail of grass into the garage with my lawnmower. All of that mental clutter is associated with one piece, one tool that I need to keep up this big house that's sitting in my garage. And you multiply this by the many, many things you own. And so I started getting like this idea of owning less. And so eventually, unfortunately, I ended up getting a divorce. Um, and this was right near the, the start of COVID. And um, during this process, it, like I had owned a motorhome at this point, um, purchased a, a motorhome at a 28 foot. And I'm like, well, this is great. It's going to like limit how many things I own. I'm just going to put what I need into this motorhome and get rid of everything else, sell it, give it away, uh, give it up to my ex. And it really simplified things. Um, and not long after that, uh, I met this amazing human being called Crystal. And my life changed for the better. Something I always wanted to do was travel the world as much as possible. And although I used to be in the, in the Air Force and the military, and I would get to travel through that, it wasn't like, tourist travel you, you go to a new destination and be able to get off base a little bit right but it definitely gave me the bug like i want to travel the world uh and, and really see what it has to offer on my own terms and um so i met crystal but i told her hey i got a divorce i want to give myself a couple year break i'm not looking for a relationship at all i want to give myself a couple year break and i just want to go see the world and the first stop for me is costa rica i just i love the jungle i love the animals i like the puta vida like easy lifestyle there and that's gonna be my first stop. And she says, well, I kind of want to go with you. And I'm like, really? Okay, like, where's this gonna lead to? Well, it led to her quitting her nine to five job, doing a HR position at a really prestigious upscale restaurant um, in New York City. Right. And I was living in Utah at the time, um, Southern Utah in the deserts near Zion National Park, a fantastic, beautiful place, but we couldn't be two worlds more apart right. at this point. But she decided to quit and on literally a whim of me traveling and visiting in in new york city um we leave this event that we were at after sunrise we, we partied all night we leave a sunrise and we do do this surprise date i i said you know what i'm going to take you on a date i'm going to show you around new york city i didn't know anything about new york city i'm not gonna lie i've been there once before but, I'm like, <laughs> but i didn't know anything I said, so you were winging it the whole time yeah give me the keys to your car i'm going to take you on a date baby <laughs> so she gave me the keys. I told her not to say anything. I said, just let me make wrong turns. Let me. So as we're driving, I was like, oh, I make up history of a building or tell her about a certain person walking down the street. We, we walked through a, a beautiful cemetery. We talked about the afterlife, like we had deep conversations in between all the goofy stuff. And at one point we're, we're walking near uh, Dumbo right at the Brooklyn Bridge. And, and later in the day, and I said, you know what? I just had like this overwhelming feeling hit me. And within a few seconds of having this overwhelming feeling without processing it, I said, you know what? I'm moving to New York City. Right. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help you do this transition. Um, of, we're going to do this you know, together. Getting rid of some of your stuff. We're going on, we're traveling the world together. And it was like, really, it hit me like a wrecking ball. Like I haven't had a, a more instantaneous, like it brought me to tears. Literally, I started crying when I, when I said it. I am someone that hadn't cried as an adult man since, I don't know. It's just I grew up. You're supposed to be a macho man, and I definitely de right. was not in contact with this feminine side of myself ever. 
and it hit. And then all of a sudden I like started being myself more after I started being with her. I'm like, I can really be myself. And so I'm still a heterosexual man and I have my masculine moments, but I'm also like in touch with the feminine now. And like, occasionally I cry just because life is so beautiful. And she's shown me like such an amazing, amazing thing. So at this point when I'm like, well, we should document this, even if it's just for us and it's like a personal diary, let's start like documenting this. We'll put it on YouTube, our friend, our family and friends can follow. And then they'll be like, where were you this week? Or what have you been up to? It's like, oh, just go watch our video. You can like learn about what we were just doing rather than us tell you like be there with us. And, and so that right. was like the initial concept. I, I like the idea of like getting a following and all that, but we didn't want too much stress at the beginning. And, and as time's gone on, I'm like, yeah, this could be like, I, I think we have a magical, a magical thing together. If I can just find out how to tell better stories, because we have amazing stories constantly happening to us. Well, I think and if I could just learn to tell those stories better, um, and put them in a format that's like palatable for everybody, I, I think this is something that everyone would love. So that's what we're focused on now. The Crystal Show is like something that, you know, we can share with the world and um, and how each love and education is, is the main thing. We're constantly focused on love and educating ourselves. And we want to like pass that on and let the viewer come along with us and learn um, about the world and these cultures and the many things that, there's to be learned in the self-development, but also, you know, do it in a loving way and learn to love nature and people. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and it's been an amazing transition. COVID was really the, the catalyst for that. COVID really up, upended a lot of people because I was kind of going through a very similar journey as you were at the same time. And I also felt the same way about my current partner where I'm like, I don't want to get into a relationship. I just want to explore for a while and find myself again. And that tended, turned out to be a complete mess because I just couldn't not be around my current partner. Like I was like, you know, so I feel that, but at some point you have to go and embrace the change that is happening in your life. And you've definitely done that. Absolutely. And you have too. I mean, you, you said you feel better than you in your whole life. You you have purpose right now. How I amazing am unapologetically myself now. And it is awesome. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and to find somebody that unlocks that for you. Like, I don't know if you and I could have done it on our own. I think we needed that significant other to do it. And the so. fact that we're not looking for it means that I, I think when you're not looking for love, when you're not looking for a, a partner or a best friend, and mm -hmm. in fact, you're looking the opposite way. That means when you do find that right person, like we've found that comes into your life, then you're not hungering. You're not striving for their attention. You're not, you're not making excuses why right. they're not right in a certain way. Um, you're actually looking for excuses to push them away. And you're like, you know what? You're like passing all the tests plus some, I'm not even, you know, it, and it, it's, it's, it's a testament to a great partner. And, and I think we both found some and we're so lucky. If a relationship is effortless and you don't have to work towards it and you're already there and you always feel like you've known each other forever and it just is comfortable and you can be yourself, that is the healthiest situation you can definitely be in. I agree. I totally agree. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so happy and envious of you and for you. So, yeah, I, what? Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Amazing. Good for you. Um, I am. So now that we're both discovering the world with our partners, um, what right. what have you learned on your travels? So much. Um, I think one of the one of the, there's there's a couple different ways to travel. There's a lot of different ways to travel, but there's a, a way that I, I would travel with my parents when I was younger, which is like, you know, you go to resorts, you go do touristy stuff and then there's the way we're traveling now right. um which is a way of always wanting to travel but you need the right person to do it with it's if you don't have the right person you can't unlock your brain to really be open you're always concerned about making them happy or you don't want them to get uncomfortable going to this area or um, having this experience might not be the commercial fun experience it's, it's rather uncomfortable sometimes but that's where the real growth happens it's and so i feel like it, this is my theory on traveling with a partner I feel like if it's somebody that you can camp with, be in a hostel with, be uncomfortable at airports with, and still support each other and not like end up fighting with each other, that's your travel partner. Right. Definitely. Like if you can backpack across Europe with just a backpack and nothing else, that is your travel buddy. Amen. 
Yeah. So I found the perfect travel buddy. Yeah. We just got done. Okay. Here's, here's good examples. We just got done spending three months in South Africa and we mm -hmm. went through the Sutu in South Africa. And the reason we did chose that place in particular was we put up a little poll online and we said, should we go to Vietnam or South Africa? And almost okay. everybody said, let's go to Vietnam. And so we're like, okay, South Africa it is. Like we, we want the challenge. Right. And then once we said South Africa, everyone's like, just stay away from Johannesburg. Okay, let's start the trip in Johannesburg. Let's do a few weeks in Johannesburg. And it, it's just like, okay, th there's a challenge to be had and there's somebody that wants to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think major growth in life, not just traveling, happens when you're uncomfortable. Your brain yeah. is turned on to a point when you don't get comfortable. Time actually slows down. The last two years feels like, honestly, if, if I had to, you didn't tell me how many days it was, I would say it was about five years, four and a half to five years in length. It feels like it's taken that long to go by. Where right up before I started doing this traveling with Crystal and living my life with her, it, I had that really stereotypical every year felt a little bit faster than the last. Right. Like every year was getting a little bit shorter. You, you, you fall into a routine and routines mean that things become white noise and then time kind of compresses. But when you're challenging yourself in a new location and new cultures um, with new endeavors constantly um, and you're really striving to learn everything you can about the other person, time really slows down. It's a lot of processing power. And when you're spending a lot of time doing processing, time kind of stretches. And so I, I feel like I've found a miracle drug to give myself a longer life. And that is simply by experiencing more stuff and like really trying to process what is happening in front of me all the time. It's, it's really amazing. Okay. So do you have a dream? Cause I know you have gone, let me see if I can remember. You've gone to Costa Rica. You were in Italy. You've gone back to New York a few times. You were in Vegas a couple of times, South Africa. Um, did I miss any? I said Italy, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Italy, Switzerland. Austria, oh, Switzerland. Belgium. Austria. Um, uh, what? Babe, I actually crystals right over here. Sweetheart, <laughs> what was the name of the the Princeton Princeton Liechtenstein? Okay. It's the smallest smallest Princeton in the world. I it, had it, most of them though. Yeah, I had a you, lot of them. Um, <laughs> we did South Africa. We did Lesotho. Um, obviously, Mexico. Now mm -hmm. um, we had countries that we passed through, but we didn't count them unless we can stop and really explore them. They don't count for us. I think we're on our 14th country in the last year and a half or two years. That's incredible. So, so yeah. now, for for those who don't know, for just for I guess podcast sake, what do you do now as you're living to help supplement your travel? That's a great question. Um, I eat, eat out of my savings and I have a very, very supportive girlfriend that has a business. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. To be honest, uh, the studio, when, when COVID happened, my studio that I ran, which is middle-aged uh, studios, mm -hmm. actually went it, almost dormant, like a couple clients a month kind of thing, um, March, April, May. And then I'm like, you know what? This is like a real opportunity for me. At first, it was a little stressful. But uh, along with Biker, like, you know, he's a full-time touring DJ and uh, internationally. And he's like, you know, I'm not doing anything. You're not doing anything. We both love film and movies. That's what we, we initially clicked over. And we're like, you know what, let's, let's start our own thing. So we started what we call Bum Films, Big Ups Media. But we both felt like bums. So we started Bum Films. And it gave us an opportunity to start, like, practicing and trying something else that we were interested in that was only a hobby up to that point. And that's where the camera and, and all of this well now vlog it all came from for a short while we were running as the directors of photography and, and doing production for um las vegas rap rods which was a big show on tlc um and became the the film guys for steve darnell which was like a dream job for bike especially and um now that we're doing youtube channel i'm not gonna lie if you want to like really go all in and do something like this you're not gonna make money right away you can't right. i'm you know, the, i mean there is really no money being had yet the podcast is right in the same situation mm -hmm. so i feel yeah. that until so you get a proper following a social following brands don't want to invest in you which makes complete sense you need a proof of concept you need to really show a track record and so that's what we're working on right now finding our our specific look feeling and vibe how do we tell stories what do they look like um, I have a lot of skills now as as a camera operator, as an editor, 
And so like when I do videos for clients, which occasionally happens, those are like my polished, like I'm, I'm expressing my skills and using gimbals and such. But that's not what a lifestyle vlog needs. You need to actually like make it feel more personal and dumb it down. And you don't always have time to throw a mic on or light something that's supposed to be more like on the go. So it's like finding that right feeling and vibe. We're still doing that. We're like, I don't know how many videos we have up now, but quite a lot of videos already. Um, I'll make sure everybody and, gets links to all your stuff. Uh, just in the description. Right. Thank you. But um, so, but yeah, that doesn't make a lot of money. What we are doing, which is crazy, because with very few followers, I, I think a lot of people think there's like you, you have to have a hundred thousand followers or a million before you get some really solid brand deals. We're already getting brand deals. If I, I think it's it's easy for us to ask for for trades, for instance, instead of saying, "Hey, give me a certain amount of money to produce this next video and put you as a sponsor." And so what that means is, uh, we just got back from Bacalar. Lagoon, and it's okay. right on the, the border with Belize. It's amazing. It's like this crystal clear water. The sand is like so light, and it's because it's actually like really heavy in sulfur. There's only like three fish species that live there because it's so high in minerals. Right. And it was actually our first time sailing. So we went sailing and we stayed at this amazing uh, resort for free. It was essentially a trade. It's like, hey, for a mention in our video, you want to give us this experience? Yeah, we'll, we'll promote. So we do that occasionally where it's like an Airbnb or I think this was found on booking.com. Um, you know, it's experiences. We did the world's tallest commercial bungee jump. Um, we do rafting or we've done, you know, all sorts of stuff that is trades. So we'll work as, as trades essentially. So that's a way to like supplement. These are things we want to do regardless during our travels. They're going to cost us money. But instead of making physical dollars, it's alleviating um, some of the dollars we would spend otherwise by operating with some trades with companies so that's really the only way that the the channel currently is um is providing any source of let's say income or alleviating um the expenses but other than that bristol owns an amazing american um restaurant um it's like a dine out only restaurant in brooklyn in yeah. bedside brooklyn and uh it's called home freak and she uh she runs that they just started selling franchises and so yeah awesome. i mean to the moon with that who knows where that goes and um they're really driven on that so i'm doing their social media there so that's uh, you know, a little bit of an income generator but crystal really is the one that's funding this amazing lifestyle we have and i'm eternally grateful for her for so so many reasons but that's that's definitely a big one right so if you were to make a suggestion to people getting into a lifestyle like this, what would you say, how would you say they start? And what would you say is the hardest thing to do? Oof. I know. Okay. <laughs> the way to start is actually going to be the hardest thing to do as well. Um, the minimalism is humongous. The less stuff you own, the less overhead you have. A lot of people are like, how do you afford to do this? Well, the cost of traveling around the world and doing a lot of this actually is more affordable than the way a lot of typical middle of the road kind of Americans live. Um, if you get rid of, you know, the extra vehicles, registrations and insurances and the gas money that goes along with it and the house rent and so many of those other things, if you can alleviate the cost of a lot of that, um, the upkeep on, you know, the stuff you Right. If you can just alleviate a lot of those costs, you realize, well, I actually have like a bit of extra money and like, how can I reallocate this money? And you reallocate them towards um, plane trips or yeah. towards Airbnbs or, you know, a lot of like right here, I'm not going to say Tulum's that affordable compared to a lot of the countries we've been to, but, um, you know, compared to New York City, which is what we call home base, it's, it's much more affordable than somewhere like New York City. Um, you know, South Africa, it's amazing. Some of the places you can stay for pennies on the dollar kind of thing. It's just, you know, our dollar is so much more powerful around the world than a lot of these countries' currencies. Um, but the initial making the decision to cut out a lot of the stuff in your life that you don't currently need, like you really sit down and think about how much have I actually used? Right? Like, choose one item. It can be anything that you own. How, when was the last time I used this item? And how much joy does it genuinely bring me? Is it, is it necessary in my life? And if it's not, saying goodbye to those things is really hard. When you start, it's really, really hard until you get the ball rolling to say goodbye to things that you own that might be sitting in the closet for the last three years and haven't gotten touched. Right. But being able to, and, and knowing that other people don't put the same value that you do. 
you hold a lot of value. Like I, I realized at the beginning, I was trying to sell things similar. They're like, well, they're hardly used. I bought this thing for four hundred dollars. I'm going to try selling it for three hundred. No, good good luck with that. Um, you probably get a quarter of what it's worth out of it. Like right. what it is to you, and being able to like bite the bullet over and over again and realizing, you know, I'm not going to get nearly the monetary value out of these things. Um, and just get rid of them, just be okay with that, knowing it's leading to a more fruitful life in the future for you, mm -hmm. assuming this lifestyle is right for you, then that's a really hard step to take, but I think it's it's one that's necessary. So it's probably worth trying to travel a little bit before you like, you know, depart from a lot of your belongings and the things you might store. But even now that we own very little, every time we go back, we store some things in my motor home that I, we still own in Utah. And uh, we own some stuff that we store at uh, Crystal's parents in Pennsylvania. And every time we go back to visit them, we're like, shoot, we even forgot we own this stuff. We thought, you know, a lot of these things were necessary to our happiness um, and essential, but we forget we even own them. And it's like, well, if you forget you own them, how important are they truly to your happiness? So that is a really big step is, is being able to say goodbye to a lot of the, the stuff. And then you're lighter on your feet. You don't have to worry about, you know, I have to get home to winterize this thing, or I don't have to, you know, worry about the landscaping here while I'm gone or making sure the property managers paid or, you know, I'm not saying owning property or whatever is a wrong decision. I think everyone has their own approach to, to life, but for what it's been for us, um, it's actually, you know, less is more. I, that's great. I think that's, that's a valuable advice there. You were talking a little bit about your mobile DJ setup with your little your little deck. Where have you taken this? Because I've seen some videos. I share them every once in a while. I remember you went to Fremont Street DJ live there. You've done the yeah, beach right. pretty recently. Ha yeah. What what sort of inspired you to to get mobile with your DJ stuff? Oh, the scariest one was when you were was it Zion going up a mountain with your equipment? Angels Landing. Yeah. Terrifying. I was scared for you the entire video. I don't. <laughs> Good. That's what I. That it was, was horrifying. <laughs> okay, so so the little the DJ controller we call Nora, and and the rack I made out of wood in in a couple hours one day, and it's I call it Nora's rack, and it essentially <laughs> is just straps onto my chest, rests on my waist, and I could walk anywhere with it. I can DJ anywhere with it, um, and it's opened up some pretty fun creative possibilities. I, years ago, years and years ago, I wanted to be able to DJ anywhere. I'm like, you know, I, I was getting into video enough that I'm like, it'd be great to just film DJing anywhere. Right. And um, there was, you know, I've seen one or two videos up to this point of people doing it and really planted the seed. But there was, now there's a, uh, a group that does it around some of the most beautiful places in the world called Circle. Um, and I, I think they're maybe, maybe Spanish. But anyway, there's such amazing locations and then they've kind of like fueled a bunch of other people doing it but before these guys came out i was like i filmed myself like in the middle of the desert i was up on a mountain i, I did it in the middle of a meadow apparently like there's nothing around me um and it took a while before i could actually do that because i didn't have access to a generator i don't want to be running a generator in the middle of nowhere and hugging all getting all my gear out to the middle of these places and a lot of logistics involved in like bringing real gear and and all that so I did it out in the middle of a ski slope one time, but it was, it was very taxing. And so once I came up with this idea, I found out about, found out about that controller we talked about, the mm -hmm. Pioneer DDJ 400, and I found out I could power it off of an iPad. I didn't need a generator or anything. I was already so proficient at DJing solely in my headphones without needing any monitors. And I'm like, this opens the door to anywhere. I can just make a platform to put this on. So I ended up building a platform. Um, and literally about the exact same time, there's this guy named Suat, S-U-A-T, um, that's from the UK. I think he's from London. And he did something similar, but with a much bigger, more unwieldy rig. But he was still like walking the streets of London doing this. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I I like that concept, but I don't want to just be in a city. I want to be like, I'm an adventure guy. I, I like, you know, rappelling right. and snowboarding. And like, what about if I can take this the DJ setup to all these places? So it's led me to some great places. I like, we did a set where I was in um, essentially an off road buggy and we went doing donuts and jumping things and I DJed from the passenger seat of one of these. Um, I've done the New York City uh, Pride Ride, the gay pride ride with hundreds or thousands of people a couple times now um, that goes cute. down through Central Park in Manhattan and we lead the bike ride. I'm literally sitting on a bike DJing 
and leading this this bike ride and i played for like four or five hours straight of the high energy fun music keep everyone dancing we stop at intermittent spots throughout new york city and we party all night and get huge crowds of people cheering it's just so much fun um i've done it from a hot air balloon um one of my favorites honestly is the one you're talking about which was zion um it's, angel's landing it's terrifying the, you're walking but looking at your deck on these tiny tiny little pathways that are probably some of them are probably not even pathways yeah scary i don't know <laughs> it's it's actually known as as one of the most uh deadly hikes in america people die every year off of that they fall off of it <laughs> at one point you have like 1800 or 2000 foot cliffs on either side of you and and at one point i think it's like four feet wide um the rock is so you're going all along this rock and and it's got sand on the sandstone so there's some change to guide yourself so you're not you know slipping off either side that's probably like the most dangerous part of it but i mean it is it's quite a dangerous route but i've done it you know at that time i'd done it a handful of times with right. nothing mounted to me um and so this day in particular um it actually was snowing on the way to it um driving into zion and i'm like i don't necessarily want to be hiking on this in the snow but luckily it ended up before we got to the trailhead you can definitely see there's a bit of snow during the hike um it was very cold i could hardly feel my hands djing it but it's maybe like a two and a half hour dj set where we start at the bottom just record live until we get to the very top the summit and sitting up on the summit and dj for a while um yeah i've dj'd from in the ocean all sorts of stuff but yeah you should put a link to that video it's, I definitely it is will. a lot of fun what is your the youtube channel that all of that is on mobile music crew so m-o-b-i-l-e music spelled normal and crew is with a k so k-r-e-w got it i will put it in the description below yeah <laughs> actually the yeah we, we have we have a lot of fun with that we're going to be doing some pretty cool ones in new york city when i get back to new york city so um yeah yeah do you travel with your it'll be obviously you travel with your deck right sometimes uh just depends on where we go Believe it or not, we don't check bags when we travel, uh, minus Africa. We've never checked the bag, and we only did that because it was stuff we were donating. So right. it's just a, a small carry-on bag with clothes and such, and then a backpack with all my computer for editing, my cameras, drone, all that kind of stuff in a backpack, and that's what we live out of. So um, because of that, the, the Nora doesn't come with us very often, um, mm -hmm. but you know, if it's an easy enough trip and I know we're going to be stationary enough to make sense of having her with us, Right. Um, the little DJ controller, then then we'll bring her as well. Very cool. So yeah. when we first met, I met you at Burn, and then we kind of sort of our little Burn community has become a separate sort of Burn community on its own. Right. Uh, yeah. Called, called Boneyard, um, and it's basically become this family. What I really love about Burning Man is the people that I have met at the Burn are really human does that make sense absolutely okay they're like you said earlier they're unap unapologetically themselves yeah and, and they're not afraid to tap into like this childish mindset and don't worry about people judging and i think that is makes some, some really interesting traits when you're going to meet another person you can cut through all the bullshit and, and get right to who is that person and how can they add value to my life or I add value to their life? Do we click again? You're not pretending. You're but putting on this persona to impress somebody. In addition to that, the 10 principles are something that we kind of all follow, not just at the playa, not just at our other little regional events, whatever, whatever. It's something that we've all adapted to our lives as like right. kind of. I know it's kind of silly, but it's kind of like our life gospel at this point. Like, there are points in the principles that make you consider others and consider yourself and consider your family and consider just the moment. And I think that I was talking to somebody else about how the burn sort of changed my life for the better. And it allowed me to meet just incredible people who we have real human experiences which is really amazing it is yeah i without a doubt it's changed my life like just like you said I, some of the people i've met are have open doors i mean 
Crystal was met through burner. She wasn't a burner actually when I met her, but she has that burner personality. She just because of COVID had never had the opportunity to to really go in that period of time and has done plenty of burner related stuff since then. But um, but that was all introductions through burner family that I had made. Um, we call them burners, but uh, you know, it's just genuinely just amazing, interesting people. You know, you, you can sit in a circle of people and everyone talks on the same level. You feel like everyone has an equal seat at the table, right. but you also don't know who these people are. Sometimes these people are honestly, you know, people that have half a billion dollars to their name, uh, other people that, um, you know, might be lawyers. Some people might work in catering. Some people might work in McDonald's. You literally have no idea and everyone treats each other as equal. They put aside all the, all the bullshit that you get in the, what we call the default world and mm -hmm. these expectations of, well, you're a lawyer. So, you know, I should talk up to you because you probably make X amount of dollars and have this type of house and this type of car. But we literally give zero shits about any of that in, in the community. It's like when we judge each other on who you are as a person, right. put away all the bullshit. And I think being able to cut away labels and everything else that's involved in the default world uh, really lets you expedite uh, friendship and get to the point of are you somebody that I want in my life on a daily basis or not? And because of that, we've met amazing people that have changed my life and opened my eyes. A lot of personal self-growth tends to burn without a doubt. That, amen. <laughs> uh, I feel that on like a spiritual level that I can't even describe. So when you're traveling, mm -hmm. what, what are some of the cultural differences and experiences that you have kind of adopted since we're talking about adopting burner principles what have you adopted from yeah. other cultures okay so i'm what i was i started alluding to this a little bit earlier but i'll get back to it like in south africa for instance we we had like a big mindset shift change um on like what we wanted to get out of our future voyages when we went to south africa i think uh you know, we, we wanted to go and help and make a difference, for instance, but we didn't want to do the white saviorism thing and go and like, we don't have any carpentry skills, but we're going to pretend to like help build a school that, you know, a real carpenter might have to come fix later. You know, we, we, we want to do away with that, but make an impact. And so part of that led to, well, let's just go find out what people actually need, which means we have to learn who these people are. Let's, let's get to really, doesn't matter if, you know, it's somebody that's from a, a prestigious position um, might be a Caucasian in South Africa. There's still a lot of cultural diversity um, and racial racial issues there. Um, so it didn't matter if we were dealing with somebody that was white that might have it really well off, or it was a black person from a township or a ghetto. Like let's let's treat everyone like equals. Let's find out like what how this culture really works and how can we can make the biggest impact. And by doing that, it led to meeting some amazing people that we're going to keep in contact with um some friends like one that's already like we convinced to come to new york and like to help launches business uh internationally like you know what like come to new york this man we met in johannesburg that you remember we weren't supposed to go to johannesburg right um and um by getting to know people and just really ask questions like believe it or not so there's a, a, a giant township called soweto Soweto is, is quite famous. It was a uh, birth of a huge cultural movement. Um, and it was where uh, Nelson Mandela is from. And we were there and a lot of these people have no education. They have no school and they can't even leave the township. It's only blacks. It's really different for them to see white people there. So we actually went on a tour. There, there's a point where we wanna make sure we're safe where we're going. Well, we, we get into some of these encounters, some of the places we're going, because you know we, we are so different or we might be perceived with money and, and in places some of these places people get killed literally over a pair of shoes having a nice mm -hmm. pair of shoes and it just happened just before we went to one of these townships um in, in the same place that i ended up doing a concert for kids and so we go in and a couple of the most these two men that we spoke to that had no education and hadn't left soweto were the two most intellectual men we met in the three months that we had spent in south africa wow. we and and they had no real formal education. It's, it's there's some great thinkers and people that like they're hungry. You, you see a lot in New York City. These people that come in and they came from little to no education and ten dollars in their pocket, and they're the hardest workers or the people that 
are hungriest to learn and really make a change for themselves. And they become so much more than a lot of these people that are more and more or less with golden spoons in their mouths. They're from New York City. And it's really amazing to see. Um, and that, you know, by staying hungry and being willing to learn about people, about the world around you, um, and, you know, question, like, hey, I might be from this community, but it's what this community is saying they're doing is it's really right. And so a lot of the things, places that I've come from and the ideology I was raised with, I actually question on a daily basis. And we have real intellectual conversations, Crystal and I, about these things that, like, I don't think a lot of people in our positions question. They don't. Um, ends up making us side with people that you might think are scary or otherwise, you know, wrong. Um, and I think that's been a really big thing for us. It's like learning a, a lot of the happiest people we've ever met are also in our eyes might be from America. And you see on a commercial with the Sarah McLaughlin song, song should be like some of the most unfortunate sad people in the world. It's like, you know, actually a lot of these people, I think should have more genuine happiness than a lot of individuals that might be making six figures back at home. Right. Um, and you realize a lot of your happiness doesn't come from, um, you know, what you have in your bank account or what belongings you own, but it comes from in here. And being able to realize that mental health is your responsibility, it's not, you, it's, you can't just blame other people or your government or, you know, a specific group that's putting down your people. Like, some of the happiest people we met are also some of the ones that are most, you know, have the most prejudice applied onto them, you know, and, and it's, uh, Africa was a huge learning opportunity for us. And so there's so many places in the world that are so different than our own, like Japan. Crystal's been to Japan and said it's like culturally the most different place she's ever been. It's just so different than the way we were raised and in our style of life. Like uh, a lot of Asia, for instance, go to Russia, these places like you know, maybe North Korea. Like I'd love to go to these countries that we think are so different and scary. Like maybe it's not as scary as we think and you really open your mind to their way of life or understanding their situation and you'll understand they are the way they are but the one thing that rings so true is doesn't matter where we go whether it's third world first second people have the same needs and desires people just want to feel loved and seen and cared for and um you know of course money is an amazing tool and can help you achieve a lot of these things but it's not necessary and um, I, th I think it's a really beautiful thing that people have taught us and, and culture around the world um, has helped, helped us become better people. I think that is amazing. Um, I think we could learn a lot from other cultures and there there is a lot in American media that I know it does does not exist outside of America. And I don't think people think enough about other people, just in general. They only think about themselves. The media really just wants to focus on the bad. We've got all these people who want to white knight and help, but they're not really helping. So I think it's really important that we take and listen to people who have been there and take those lessons to heart because, like, they it's it's just hard seeing one aspect and not being able to experience the other right yeah it it, it i if and if you're like me and i think a lot of people are uh, we're, we're we're all kids at heart and mm -hmm. someone can tell you a fire is hot but it's not until you put your finger near the fire and you're like wow that hurt that actually is hot Sometimes you have to experience things yourself to, to really understand it. You can have someone preach. Like there's all these things that we hear on a daily basis um, and have since kids. And you, we don't never thought there was much to it until you start experiencing it. You're like, wow, that there's actually something to this. But you have to experience it to realize that yourself, to realize that there's something to it. It's hard to take other people's word for a lot of things. And so we're, we're attempting like with the Crystal Show to do our part and, and learn how to do it effectively to show people as we learn these lessons, you know, not everyone's going to have the ability. Some people might have kids at home or they might have, you know, some kind of responsibility that keeps them from living a life like us. And I, I realize how absolutely fortunate we are. I, I, I live a life beyond my wildest dreams. If you were to ask me when I was in high school, what did I want to do when I grew up? I would set a DJ and travel the world, but I never would have realized I would be getting the kind of personal growth and interactions with 
people and doing the things that I'm doing had at that age. I just live a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I realize a lot of people might not be able to tap into that. I do think it's something you have to tap into, but life circumstance has to offer it as well. And so I'm hoping that like through our vlog, um, we'll be able to tell these stories um, and show it from a unique perspective, but also an authentic one that people hopefully can start learning through our eyes or through our, the camera lens that follows us, some of these lessons that we're learning in person. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the world is, is truly a unique place and there's so many cultures and so many different ways of life. It might be the cultures driven because you're from the forest, the, the jungle right next to the ocean, or maybe you live in the middle of the desert. Like uh, someone's ideology on something as simple as, you know, how they treat, um, you know, shelter is going to be so different in these two different places. And, and that leads so many other life decisions in their life. So being able to travel to such a diverse uh, amount of places around the world is really opening a lot of doors for us in personal growth. And it's so nice that it's like feeling like you're at a smorgasbord or where you have like, you can pick and choose your favorite things from each culture. What do you like and what don't you like? But you also start seeing trends and patterns with each one and, and start understanding it's not a, an issue with a culture or region. It's actually like a human condition. Certain things are human conditions. Right. Um, and and a lot of things are just taken into us. I mean, we're just our monkeys. I feel like we're monkeys that are too smart for our own good. You Wait, I'm sorry, you cut out. We're what? We're, we are just really smart monkeys. Oh. We're, we're like monkeys that are too smart for their own good. And I okay. truly believe that. And so we, you know, I, I've seen people that have everything on paper that you would imagine should be happy. They have really nice cars, beautiful house, great wife, nice job, but they're depressed. And I found people that have zero and they're so happy. And right. I think all, we, we like making stress for ourselves and, and everyone's depressed to a point. But I think we're supposed to be. It's part of the human condition. Imagine us 30,000 years ago, you and I. You don't, you don't have all the things we have now. We don't have iPhones in front of us. We don't have electricity. We don't have shelter like you do right now. Right. You have to fend for yourself. There's a certain amount of, you know, you have to worry about a lion eating your ass or or looking around the corner. There's a certain amount of natural stress that got dosed on you every day. But now that we don't have any of those natural stresses, we're finding ways to replace them. And finding a healthy relationship with how you add stress into your life. Don't think that I don't have stress in my life. I have a ton of stress oh, yeah. that is Everybody added in intermittently. But being able to choose and decide, like, is this a stress that I'm going to let into my life? Because I need to let something into my life. Okay, yes, I'm going to let this into my life. And I know I can navigate it. Versus, you know, a lot of people get over inundated and, and kind of debilitated with uh, with some stresses or depressions, and and it's hard to speak for everyone because I'm not everyone. I'm only me, but um, I'm learning a lot about you know being able to navigate that world that lives in head by traveling. So it's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I always describe myself. I'm a self-described uh, Chihuahua. Everything stresses me out. Like you know how Chihuahuas are like they shake when they're cold they shake when they're excited they shake when they are uncomfortable that's me all the time so i have i have been making a better effort to be less like a chihuahua and i'm trying more like which breed which which breed do you uh, more like? well i love my dog i definitely feel like i could learn a lot from my i have a corgi I feel like I could learn a lot from him because he is, while he has his moments of like nervousness, he is more of an explorer and he is a lot less stressed than a chihuahua. So like, I want to be like him when I grow up. That's be a that's, that's a good, that's I a wanna be a corgi. Dog. <laughs> I want to be I a hardworking corgi. Did you? So you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everything stressed the dog out. Like, oh wait, I'm getting a fresh bowl of wet dog food. I'm stressed out. Just Everything shaking. stressed that dog shaking. out. Yeah. You know what yeah. we met last night for the first time? Mm -hmm. we, we were walking through Tulum Town. We met one of the Mexican hairless dogs. It was the first time I've ever seen one. Have oh, you seen like those? Of, yeah, they're crazy looking. They're crazy. They have like little patches of random hair, and it what? feels like like neck skin. Besides, they don't have sweat pores, so it feels like dry neck skin. The whole dog. It's crazy. I don't know what their lifestyle is like, but maybe I'm a Mexican hairless dog. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, perfect. <laughs> That's hilarious. Was this like yeah. a feral dog that you met or like somebody no, owned it? She, yeah, she was we, just one of the shops we were walking by 
crystal sun she's like we got to go back and touch that dog <laughs> so we went back and touched it the owner of the shop was sitting out in front and was telling us all about it it's like they it's see amazing. it here in mexico it was like the mayan sod is like a, a sign of angels or something like that so i mean it's got like a pretty cool story like without a doubt it's like one of the ugliest dogs i've seen it is so <laughs> ugly it is ugly ugly i like but, that you got yeah. close to like kind of whisper that just to make sure nobody hurt you <laughs> it's ugly. but i think the dog embraces it which is beautiful you know like you know there's gonna be ugly people i, I know i'm not the prettiest guy but i embrace it like you know whatever everybody's different and lovable in their own unique ways yeah you just gotta embrace it <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, where Where are you going next? Back to you know what we just did. Hmm. We just got an apartment in New York City, dog. What? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. What? So yeah. You're, okay, so you're going back to home base. We're We're going back to home base. Um, that way we can just sublet it out whenever we're out of the city. Perfect. So hey, you want to sublet New York City? Hit us up. We're in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> no, we're we're gonna be uh going back to Brooklyn. Um, and then at the end of next month. I'm gonna see you. I know. In uh, in Arizona. I know. I'm excited. Yard, baby. We are going to be. I guess long. I, I guess I could probably tease this. We are fundraising for an art car. That's what we're doing. Yes. Mm -hmm. What? It, explain what an art car is. For someone so an art know. car is a vehicle that is typically anywhere between a golf cart to a school bus to a flatbed truck semi whatever to a 747 airplane to a 747 airplane well technically that wasn't really an art car it was more of a stage no 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 they, they did, moved it around i mean it, they, they got registered as an art car did it really did move it around oh yeah. my gosh i didn't yeah. i never even went in it i just it was so it's packed crazy. all the time so i was like nope crazy. um but yeah. basically we you take a shell of a vehicle and you build a mutant vehicle uh, you build something on it, a stage, a platform, a, a couch, a, a stands to watch a other rolling people. It could vagina. Be, it could anything. be a roll. Yeah, it could be giant fish. It could be a shark. It could be a butthole. It could be anything. <laughs> like oh, butthole. That sounds like a really shitty art bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it could be anything, and most of the time it has a sound system. Most of the time it's got like a hangout space, got bike yeah. racks on it, whatever, whatever, whatever They're people cool. decide They're to cool. make. And they literally cruise around the playa, typically, or even other festivals, and they just are rolling party buses, basically. Rolling pieces of art. Yeah. Uh huh. So we're yeah, going to be doing that. Radically modified vehicles. I love them. Uh, and, at, and our friend, Spike. My bike, my amazing, amazing friend. Um, he's invited us. I love him. He knows. I love him. <laughs> like he's like, talk about personal growth. So much growth of mine come from just watching this man. He's like, mm -hmm. he's lived three amazing like individual lives. You're like, how's this all one person? I won't get too much into him. All you need to know is, bike, you're amazing. If you're listening to this, I love you. Um, and this man owns the boneyard, and he wants to build a I'm just gonna clip that and send vehicle. it to him. Send it. Yeah, there's a sound bite. Throw it up on reels. Like, <laughs> I with, will. with just a quick photo montage of him, like Halo jumping out of airplanes and uh, DJing in front of tens of thousands of people and I know. racing MotoGP bikes. Like the guy's insane. He's awesome, he's insane. and he's like the most humble dude I think I've ever met in my life. And he's about this big, maybe about <laughs> just that, that big. big. A little, like, only... just a little Italian man. Oh yeah. He's very cute. He is. He definitely is. We're gonna have now. I'm gonna have to show. I'm gonna have to show pictures of everybody doing crazy things, like um, Super Mario. <laughs> pretty much. That would be a great costume. We should totally make him a, a Super Mario. Oh my gosh! And then bring it. Oof. Gosh, that's. He'd love it. He'd love it. <laughs> have like a maybe our art car will just be a series of tubes and pipes that he can pop. That he can come in and out of. DJ in and out of. Yeah, baby. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna. I'll see you at the end of the October. I'm excited. Perfect Halloween. Halloween, baby. That's my favorite holiday. Um, but it's cool that you're coming home. It's cool that we're going back to the desert. It is exciting. I'm. I'm excited to see. Uh, Crystal again. I I only met her one time at the Boneyard, actually. She's adorable. You want to mm -hmm. see her right now? Absolutely. Does I'm, I'm she want to be on the podcast? No, she probably doesn't. But I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the camera. And be ready. <laughs> she doesn't know doing it. Oh, she knows now. 
Hey! <laughs> so that's the other half. That's yeah. the other half of... Any any guys watching right now? Sorry, dude. <laughs> oh. It's mine. What do they what do they do on the old rap videos? Like Yeah. They gotta dust it off. <laughs> uh, Alright. Well what do you so where can everybody find you? What is the next project? And let's wrap it up. Okay, let's wrap it up. I, I so much stuff is always in the works, but I'm gonna keep it so simple and you'll find out everything you need to know about me. Um, Are you keeping it minimal? Handle. I'm going to keep it minimal. Go to YouTube and type in the little at symbol because now YouTube does handles. I don't that's know if you amazing. know that. It makes life easy. It's so at good. The Crystal Show. That's T H E and Crystal. C -R -I. It's right by your finger, actually. It's S T O L. Here, tell me when I'm touching. Perfect. Right there. Wait. Yeah. It's, yeah. Perfect. Right there. Right here. Right here. Check <laughs> us out, guys. Honestly, The Crystal Show. Um, and be like, I, I feel like we're so young still. I, I mean, the, the channel. And, and I've been told I look young. But uh, so check us out for real. And, um, and, and join the journey with us. Like, it's so much fun when people make suggestions and help, like, shape our, our trips as well. Like, go check this out. And it's like, mm -hmm. what, what is this? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And we're going some pretty unique, special places. And have lots of, we're about to go scuba diving through underwater caves this weekend through Sinotis, oh, yeah. uh in, in Mayan ruins. So like that's literally this weekend's plan, and of course it's going to be filmed. So um, yeah, we got crazy stuff always going on. So check it out, and um, thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you for helping me out this week. You're amazing, and I look forward to uh, seeing both you both. And uh, thank you for joining the pod the podcast. Of All right, thank you for Keep joining the coffin. Bye. Thank you for joining the Bye, coffin everybody. lounge podcast we are uh on episode 12 please subscribe on spotify there's it's on itunes and youtube if you want to watch thank you again for joining me and i will see you on the next one bye everybody